This is the perfect book for blind people, especially if you've been blind from birth. You know why? Because there's an almost complete lack of physical description. And if you're blind, do you really care about the color of the wall tiles or the stains on the carpet? No, you care about bad smells and whether there are obstacles in your way. Do yourself a favor. Pick up a copy of this book. So sit back, relax, and get your seeing eye dog to read it to you. Or just use it to prop up your piano. If that movie Ray taught me anything, it's that blind people love the piano. If you're deaf, you probably loved the blind jokes. But please don't buy this book. You won't enjoy reading it, and I sure as hell wrote it that way. There are all kinds of onomatopoeia gags that you won't understand in the slightest. Plus, there's a lot of anti-deaf sentiment, some just in spite. That's just me. I'm like a racist, but for deaf people. 1. The Past Welcome to the past. It's different to how you remember. A bit shit if I were to be honest, which I will be. What's the point in being a narrator if I just lie to your stupid face? Oh, by the way, your face is stupid. See? Honesty. Where was I? All right, the past is shit. Nostalgia gyrates against you in a dark alley like that. Makes you laugh because you wore flares or goffed up or had sex with a goat. It's all fun and games now, but when you spent six months thinking you had goat aids, it wasn't so funny, was it? Whilst in the past, let's not dwell on your shady goat-loving antics and wander over the heroin-saturated corpses and beer-swilling homeless as we make our way through a squat. Simon's squat. A party is apparently going on. Not that we were invited, but I don't think anyone here was actually invited. Simon is the guy in his late teens, a cigarette in each hand, MDMA flowing through his veins, and he doesn't seem to notice that he's the only one dancing. There's a strong smell of rot and damp, although that could be the corpses, and the only women at the party seem to be ladies of the night, hoping to find a coked-out John in the squat. They're very much looking in the wrong place. Despite the lush interiors I've just described, there's no money to be found here. In walk a group of anxious-looking teenagers. At the lead is Emily, in fishnets and a torn t-shirt that's long enough to make you wonder if she's wearing anything underneath. She's not. Her hair towers above her head in a gravity-defying mohawk. Remember, this is the past, and despite us loitering here in the present tense, the laws of physics do not apply. The three friends she's brought with her are quite obviously not comfortable in the environment. It's one thing to step over corpses. It's London. It's the past. That happens a lot. It's a completely different thing, however, to step over corpses into the derelict building that may or may not be what assisted in their deaths. A rat speeds past them away from the noise, hiding in the chest cavity of the closest lifeless body, nibbling at the heroin-laced flesh and quickly falling into a coma. The friends want to leave, but Emily doesn't. The strange little dancing boy at the center of the room has attracted her attention. At this point, she's new to the drug scene and has never seen anyone dance with so much intensity, especially when all that's playing is a commercial for hemorrhoid ointment. Her friends tug at her arm, begging for her to leave with them, but she doesn't listen, entranced by the jingle. If you don't want a hemorrhoid, use piles be gone and it'll just go. With a swift shake of his head, the boy's hair flies out of his eyes and he sees her, silhouetted by moonlight, standing in the doorway of his humble home. He stops, the cigarettes in his hands creating an arc of smoke around him, and he walks towards her, leaving a ghostly trail in the night. Do you have a light? 
he asks, entirely unaware that he's currently holding two cigarettes. You already have two cigarettes, says Emily, bemused and entranced by the druggled buffoon, demonstrating the first of many occasions in which she'll be proven smarter than him. Simon drops the cigarettes into the mouths of the corpses at either side of him. Well, do you have cigarettes? he asks. She reaches into a pocket and pulls out a crinkled pack of camel lights, offering them to him and taking one for herself. She brings her cigarette towards his, the tips meeting, a white line drawn between their lips. She lights them, staring into his eyes as they're illuminated by her fire. Something stirs inside them both. Before they know it, they're in each other's arms, the lit cigarettes smoking themselves into oblivion on the floor and a wail of sirens around them. Their first meet, their first kiss, their first experience of police brutality.